Did we all make it? I did it. I'm here. Yes. I think I did it. I did that. I was on Craig's show recently, and after we all hit record, it was me and Patrick and Craig. I said, look, we made it. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> getting getting recording started at the same time is a tough thing on my show. <laughs> <laughs> so I tend to celebrate if we all hit the button at the same time. But anyway, we have a, we have a show. Tiff, you, have you been playing anything? Uh, Don't spoil the surprise. Okay. I'll ask you in two minutes. <laughs> I think I have my answer. I'm the non-board gamiest lady in board gaming. You're still my favorite. It's okay. Oh, thanks. Sweet. Am I still your one and only? <laughs> <laughs> yes. On today's show, my one and only and some other guy, Ben. I'm leaving. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Uh, yeah, I do. You should probably introduce yourself in some way. We'll say... Uh, that wasn't on the show notes. I'm not ready for this. How long have you been gaming... What style of game you like and your favorite game right now? Okay. And who you voted for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the BGG Golden Geek Awards, that's what I meant. Sorry. Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is episode 56. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are two stupendous people, the first of which, my one and only, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And the second, not our normal co-host, some other guy named Ben. Gentlemen. Oh, that that's weird. I see what he did there. I gotta bring in Dan. Channel Dan. You gotta go lower. I gotta channel Dan. Hey guys. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Ben, uh, <laughs> our, our good friend, uh, member of the game group, you know, does some stuff in the league from time to time, will be joining us today. Dan is at the 24-hour board game marathon for Turner Syndrome, hosted by our good buddy, Dan Patrice. So while he is out gallivanting playing board games, we've got Ben here to give us a hand. Ben, before we get into anything, let's let's do a little uh, get-to-know-you, a little Tinder profile, if okay. we will. <laughs> So tell me, uh, how long have you been gaming? Tell me what kind of games you like to play, and tell me what's your favorite game right now. All right, let's see. I've been gaming for, what's it been, four four years, five years? How long have I known you? Yeah. A couple years. That's how I make friends. So, (laughs) I guess this type of gaming, real gaming, board gaming, has been since my wife was in nursing school with your wife, and dragged me along to some friend's house. It's like, God, I got to meet new people. And then this happened. I feel like that Tiff can resonate with that. Right? <laughs> yeah. God, I got to meet Meeting new people. Meeting new people? Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. Like, who's this weird guy I got to play games with? That's kind of how we started this podcast. Tiff's like, God, I got to record with new people. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I remember it all started with uh, Munchkin oh. and, and Settlers of Catan. Those were the days... And then ever since when I started playing Pandemic and we realized I can't read rule books or teach games. Yeah, Ben is not a great game player, but he is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I feel like Ben is the male version of me because I feel the same way. I will try to read rule books and teach rules. I just don't have the patience for the way people learn, which is weird as an educator. <laughs> ben, yeah, I... <laughs> Ben's willing, though. 
You're much more willing oh. than Tiff, I feel like. I was oh, I'm try. not willing anymore. But I'm a little self-conscious now because after, why do we keep losing pandemic? Oh, guys, we don't have to cure all the diseases or eradicate all the diseases. That's a fundamental You're not error. The first we played many games of pandemic mistake. with that rule. Anywho, what kind of games are you playing now? I like all kinds of games. I will try a lot of games once, except recently I figured out that very heavy, mind-bendy, mind, what's the word I'm looking for? Mind-numbing, mind-burning. Mind-numbing Euro games I usually try to avoid. I'm more afraid of them, but I'm willing. I like fun games, unlike some people. Oh, weird. Why did we pick that's, you to replace that's a Dan? thing for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like heavy heroes and you like fun games. The so balance strange. has shifted in my favor. Yep. <laughs> this is why you brought me on. Yeah. I love games with a lot of theme. That's why I like Pandemic Cthulhu because it's Cthulhu. Thank you. I should play that. Have you played time. that yet, Tiff? No. Come on, Tiff. Listen. Do you want us to Skype you in? I have it in my bag today. I'll talk about <laughs> it later. So what, what sh- is that the favorite game? Is the Pandemic Cthulhu your favorite game right now? Favorite game right now is, um, do I, can I be in g- general? Because then that's Overwatch. General. Game. <laughs> this is a board game Overwatch. podcast, Ben. Come on, you're alienating our, our listenership. Okay. Well, since I haven't played a lot of games recently because of Overwatch, I'm really looking forward to playing Arkham Horror card game. Yes. I think that'll be my favorite game. I just got it. We read the rule books. We're ready to rock today. That is why Ben is here. Well, that's why he's over here. And uh, we're going to rock that out. Tiff, you don't have any interest in that, right? I feel like we've talked about this a thousand times. No. It's going to be good. (laughs) It's going to be so thematic. You have no interest in Arkham Heart? I'm at the point where I can just wait to see what people think. And I really want to play the games that I have. So I'm not looking for new games anymore. That's fair. I'm out of the new hotness thing. I'm officially on a buying hiatus as well. Like, I'm done. I got yeah, his, we'll see about that. I got that. Innis. I'm done for the year at least. He says after he got a game me. 30 seconds ago. I really don't believe you at all, but okay. I don't believe me either. It's okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. In case you don't know or you have forgotten, this is the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. You can find us on places like Facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can always shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Guild.nonsensicalgamers gets you to BGG Guild number 2077 to join in the conversation. And you can also find us on places like Twitter and Instagram, which are wonderful places to connect with us. Today's show with special guest Ben is going to be pretty much like every other show. We are going to chat a little bit about what we've been playing. We're going to do a top of the stack check-in because we started late in October and I didn't get any say in my top of the stack, you people. Uh, so we're going to check in and maybe carry that forward into November. And then we're going to do a little round table kind of discussion topic thing. We've each got a topic that we're going to bring to the table. We're going to try to avoid politics and hopefully have some good discussions. That's not, not going to happen. Nope. We'll, we'll see. Tune in or tune out now, maybe, before it's too late. But we turn out now. Turn we off now. start where we turn normally out. start <laughs> with what we've been playing. And I feel like it's only polite to let guests go first. So, Ben, let's hear some more of your sweet, sweet voice. What have you been playing? I have been playing Overwatch. Did I mention I've been playing Overwatch? You can say it one more time because it's on the show notes three times. Overwatch. Thank you. Uh, Board games. I got a chance to play Scythe, which I know has been a contentious thing 
with our friends. Some people say, God, it's awful. Matt says, it's fine. Which is, well, so where do you fall, Ben? Let's see if I brought on the right co-host. I enjoyed it. I actually did. I kind of want to try it again. I don't think it was too long. It was a couple weeks ago at this point, but played well. I liked, I know some complaints were that you only have so many options, but I kind of liked not having to think too much. I have four or five things I can do and I have to rotate through them. So, and it felt good. It went quick. It makes sense. It's not hard to play, easy to pick up. You know, I think the balance issues still remain. That's all I ever hear in terms of criticism these days. And I think that those are still fair. Yeah. Looking over who, who had it, like not Cress, who had the red one, Steve, Steve, probably. Yeah. And that just being able to take whatever action you wanted, because you could take the same action. That was like, I want to be able to do that. I, it just feels a little bit stronger than the other ones. But hey, Tiff has sat and listened to Scythe talk all day long. Still no interest, Tiff. Come on. Just try it once. I've explained why I'm not interested in new games. But I feel like if I, I say so it many old over games. and over again, maybe you'll you'll crack. I think between like between all the hype and then everybody just being like, yeah, it's okay, or hating it, I can pass on this one and be okay with it. If it's I fine. drove you know to Ohio I- with it, would you play it with me? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not even then. <laughs> I knock on the door. She opens it up. I'm holding sides. She says no. Close the door. No, no. I it's I never had any interest in it. I like the art. I know. I still have your it. art book. <laughs> yeah, about that. Uh, no, I don't know. I just don't have. I'm just out of that like combat thing right now. I'm out of most gaming right now, but that really doesn't appeal to me in any way. All right. Well, if you showed up to my house with like La Isla, I have then La we're Isla. talking foreshadowing for our top of the stack nonsense have that in my bag because i'm gonna play that i'm gonna play it without you tiff because you made me play it whatever you need to play it you have it it's silly that you haven't played it. it's still in shrink i'm just trying to help you out work through your board game collection i was i made a nice suggestion unlike dan uh so tiff you have been playing a couple of games you've been doing board game club so give me a game that you've been playing and then since i know you've been you haven't been able to kind of dig back into your collection. What is like, what do you really want to play? Maybe that's not on the top of your stack because top of the stack is co- self coercion. So if you just like yeah. could pick something random off the shelf, what would you pick? What would I pick? I mean, I it's old from top of the stack, but I do want to play Pandemic Cthulhu. Yeah, and I do think the people I game with would like it because we like Pandemic, but it just. It's not happening. And I have a whole bunch of Kickstarter games just kind of in the box. Like, I was thinking about it today in the shipping box, I should say. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, it's been so long since those games have come that I don't even know what's in those boxes now. So it's kind of considering maybe just wrapping them Christmas style and putting them under my tree and opening them on Christmas. That would be kind of really festive and cool. <laughs> it's I like every time... It you get an urge to play a game you just open a box or an urge to buy a game rather right like that's that's how it is and the other thing i need to do is make a list of games that i need to get rid of yeah i got an email from someone asking me for because dan had his and we kind of talked about that on the show and i'm like i need to make mine and i thought like oh i'll make it this weekend and then i totally didn't so i need to do that I'm looking forward to that more than playing any game. I want to do that as well because with this move, you know, we're moving in a new house and everything. I'm going to have room for games, but this is the perfect opportunity to just leave some stuff behind yes. to get rid of some stuff. 
And not everything in my collection is golden. Really? I mean, sometimes I like <laughs> thematic experiences so much that sometimes I buy a game for the experience. I burn through that experience and I'm like, okay, I'm done. So they're not bad games, but it's time to move on. I but, have yeah. bad games. I made a list recently. <laughs> I'm like, why do I have I, half of my collection I don't even play? Because people won't play them like Arkham Horror. Well, there's well, a reason for that. I think that yeah, was like my second game that I bought. I was like, oh my God, this looks so cool as a naive new board gamer. Yeah. Then... Well, I think a lot of people got roped into that. I I remember <laughs> my buddy Justin bought Arkham Horror under that same sort of like newish gamer. Like everybody's, this seems to be a thing that everybody plays. Let's try it. And he sat down with my husband, tried to figure out the rule book. It didn't go well. They played like one round and gave up. We tried <laughs> to play at midnight on New Year's. Gosh. Yeah. And I hadn't even that's... completely figured out the rules yet. That was a bad idea. That's not smart. You got to play Arkham Horror with some seasoned players because then it can be fun. I played at the 24-hour board game marathon a couple years back, and I did have fun playing it, but not as much fun as I have playing Eldridge, so. But I've talked that to death. I don't think yeah. I told anybody this, but I've played it a couple uh -oh. times by myself and actually enjoyed it. <laughs> Secret. I did do it. Secret, Secret solo plays. Secret that didn't make it plays. to Twitter or Instagram. No. <laughs> Dan's going to be so upset because we're talking about Arkham Horror while he's gone. Well, it, this is good because we'll reach out to those listeners who actually enjoy theme. Ben is actually our only listener who enjoys theme, so. Oh, And he's man. here. Well. We're reaching out to myself. I'm uncomfortable. You <laughs> <We> should be. <laughs> Matt, what have you been playing? Uh, I have, I played a lot, and Dan and I covered when we went through, like, his Essence stuff. We did that on the last full episode. A lot of good games still getting played, but I've been receiving way more than I've been playing, which is a problem. Hence my spending hiatus. Uh, hopefully Ben and Kel and I can knock out some some new stuff today. But I did get a, to play a couple of things with Kel on our recent trip to San Diego. I brought a couple of games, uh, packed them in my duffel bag, just in case. You never know when you're going to get downtime, and we didn't really have a game plan. So we ended up not playing any games until the plane ride home. And what we played that I've been waiting to play was six making and i talked about this a while ago uh, tiff you had already had this on your radar when i discovered it it's the blue orange game abstract two player the point of the game is to try to make a stack of six tokens like little little checker pieces but the cool thing about the game is that as you move and stack these pieces up depending on the height of the stack they move like different chess pieces so a single stack moves like a pawn i think a three stack moves like a knight all the way up to a five stack moves like a queen so an interesting little game had some fun with it i've played it a couple times now not not as great as i was hoping though i was surprised i was hoping that it would be kind of simplistic but satisfying and kind of depthy that's what i was hoping for yeah i think it was a little shallower than i expected you know because i i think the issue is that the movement is great. I love the idea of, you know, trying to s tactically move back and forth and create these positions to move into uh, based on the different movement. You know, you've got to track all the different pieces, but it just seems kind of slow. And the minute you get a queen on the board, things get really funky because a lot of options get cut off. And you spend a lot of time just kind of moving like pawns and rooks because they're kind of more basic limited movements and then once things get higher it gets a little bit more challenging but it also gets 
gets kind of frustrating in a way because you become very limited. The more board that can be covered, the harder it is to do anything. So you, you end up not being able to make any moves. Did you say you played it more than once? I have played it more than once now. Yeah. It's always tough, like games that are chess like. I mean, how are you gonna how are you gonna match with chess? Like that's Yeah. I don't know why people try it. <laughs> exactly. I like games that, you know, follow suit in the sense that I'm gonna make a simplistic game that is deep and satisfying. Like we're gonna be like chess, but something to try to compete with chess or to pull chess mechanisms. It just always falls flat. Chess yeah. always does chess better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I don't. I just don't understand these designers that sit down. They're like, I'm going to make a better chess or a different chess. I'm going to make go, four-player no, fantasy it. chess or I'm going to make 3D <laughs> chess or I'm going to make... Yeah, yes. it's just, just Stop leave chess making alone. chess games, guys. Yeah. Just keep making thematic risk games instead or... <laughs> I don't know. It was. Stop it's okay. Doing that too. It's a little pricey. The production value is nice. It? It's like thirty-five bucks. And oh, you that can, is a little pricey. You for can a play this player. game with your checker set that you already have at home. So unless you really ouch. Yeah, I would not. If I had to do it all again, would not spend the time. I would do a little homebrew. I'd buy, you know, twenty black and white checker pieces. If I wanted wood, I can. You can easily find like nice wooden checker pieces, and you just need a little five by five board. So I would not spend 35 bucks um, on this game. It goes cheaper online, and the box is nice. It's a nice package, but not worth uh, the gameplay versus price is not worth it. This was the one with the wooden box with, like, the lid that kind of slid on. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. So that was uh, it's definitely good quality if you are looking for that in a game and willing to pay for it. Definitely, definitely. But I think you could you could go grab a chess set or even like a go set if it was the right way and you could it could be more versatile you could get more than one game out of it kind of thing so anyway that's six making uh ben i'm gonna steer you in a direction because tiff mentioned pandemic cthulhu so i want you to to touch on that a little bit because i have not played it yet but i watched you guys play it so how was pandemic cthulhu maybe a little comparison to a regular pandemic all right so it did feel a lot like pandemic it has the same kind of mechanisms and concepts and it started out really it started out feeling like it was a really easy game i know we had it set to the kind of starter mode easy mode but it felt like oh my god we're gonna win this and i think kelly was even shouting over to you guys while you were playing and like this is so easy we're about to win yeah i felt bad i just i bought this game for halloween game day 50 bucks i was fine with the the price and then i put it on the table and they're like this game's so easy yeah and then about halfway through things turned and it got really really <laughs> difficult like we were like oh my god like within 30 i mean within like five minutes we were like yelling over i think we're about to lose we're gonna die it got very very hard and i think that made it fun it was unexpected that it was going to become so difficult i think as those um what were the the great the old ones or whatever that were at the top that started yeah. to flip and they have specific powers and things that they do to you sometimes they're just immediate effects but other a couple that we had were ongoing like we could only use what were the artifacts on our turn and so we couldn't usually you can use artifacts anytime so things just got out of hand and we had cultists everywhere and the uh 
were those other monsters that were on the board? The Sagaths, Yagaths, Shagaths, Shagaths, something Agaths. Yeah, and it just quickly got out of hand, and we ended up losing. It seems like it really ramps up and stacks against you, which is like you start the game and you've got all these abilities, and then every time an old one flips out, it compounds the difficulty because you're more and more restricted. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. It just got worse and worse. S like so what I'm looking for. You guys the funny thing is is that Kel was telling me and talking about the ramp and everything like that and t- two things I was thinking about. One, you guys actually played a thing wrong because or at least she reported she said something about how when those Shagaths get to the gate, she's like, Yeah, it's kinda weird that they just sit there. I said, They don't just sit there, they come off the board and trigger a terror thing. Oh which apparently you guys didn't play, which means it might have been a little harder. I didn't know that. Okay. So they come off the board and trigger the they trigger like a um it would be a like an explosiony thing in regular pandemic. Oh, okay. It triggers one of those. Yeah. Where so I don't know what to... ramifications that have, but they that may have made it even more difficult actually. So I could cuz I think you have to flip a new old one card at the top when that happens. And in this game, you lose a, a bunch of different ways, like regular pandemic. But one of the big ways is if Cthulhu comes out, who's at the he's the last great old one. Is Cthulhu a he? It's it's a Cthulhu. It's, okay, it's just Cthulhu. It is the last one on the the track. There's like nine or ten of them out. Do you think that there's replayability in it? Because that was my concern. Is you don't you use most of the old ones every game? How many were left over? Do you remember? Just a couple, like one between like one and five or something like that. Like not many were left, but maybe the order in which they come out would have an impact. I don't know. I mean, I was definitely ready to play it again after we played. Well, that's a good sign. Yeah, I can see how the order in which they come out could change the game a bit in terms of just you have to deal with this problem and then this problem, or I can see changing that order is could completely change how you approach dealing with those things. Gotcha. I definitely see yeah. same replayability as in normal pandemic. So what does Tiff need to hear to, to be jazzed enough to play this? Huh? What do you I need to hear? I don't need to hear, hear anything. <laughs> like, I'm, I really want to play it. I mean, I read uh, BGG comments on it a while ago and then I was just kind of scrolling through even the bad ones make me want to play it because it's like oh there's so many ways that this game makes it hard for you and so many ways to lose and that's like what makes a co-op game fun that's so, why I want to play it yeah that's totally why I want to play it so when when a game's bad reviews make me want to play it like what more do you need I just need more time if someone could find a way <laughs> to provide me with more time so I guess here's a question Ben you don't have much context necessarily but you've got a younger sister do you think that not that tiff would want to do this do you think you could swing it with a board game club kids with a bunch of middle school age kids could you play pandemic cthulhu i think so because i mean because it's a co-op game you can kind of guide them through it a bit and if they're having troubles with any of the concepts or anything you can definitely steer them what do you think tiff yeah, well, I would feel weird introducing them to this without first getting them into regular pandemic, which I know is shocking that we haven't played. Yeah. But, um, well, this year, uh, the new thing with Board Game Club is I've extended the time just a little bit because before we didn't have enough time to really get into deeper games with a rules explanation. So, like, I was having to explain the rules one week. We would play, like, a sample 
round and then they would go and we'd come back and play the game the next week and that's like really not appealing to kids for some reason gee i wonder why and uh (laughs) so this gives us a little bit more time and some of the kids that are in my club this year seem a little bit more patient to listen to rules and to teach each other things one of the things that was a struggle last year was just going back and forth between the different uh, groups that were playing in the club because we had so many kids involved last year and a lot of them were just freaking out about teaching each other rules. So we had to have like a how you teach rules day Yeah. <laughs> where, I, where I taught them how to teach rules. So what's your time limit up to now? Um, so we're like an hour and a half. That's That's a good amount of time. You can do, you know. easily do a 60 minute game obviously i think with pandemic cthulhu because it's i think it was under an hour for us and even with rules i think you could probably teach the rules as you go and introduce things and just the theme i mean pandemic cthulhu it's got monster minis tiff they're gonna they would love the monsters instead of regular pandemic i think that's probably true so it's it's an option like there are some things i feel obligated to teach them first like like, they've never played Dominion. They've never played Catan. They've never played Ticket to Ride. Steve has never played Catan still. <laughs> he writes board game things. reviews and he's never played Catan, Tiff. I think we all have those, like, monsters in our closet. Like, those games that we just never played that are, like, classic games. Yeah. Candyland. But... That's my my demon. <laughs> they play Candyland yeah. with a spinner now. Did you know that? That's terrible. No card flip. That's sad to me. Anyway. Candyland just isn't the same anymore. (laughs) We have a game center for our kindergartners, and they're like, oh, you want to play Connect 4 or Candyland? They're like, oh, Matt, you like games. You can run game center. I'm like, these are not games. These are terrible, terrible things. They are games. Teach children with autism frustration tolerance with them, yes. Yes, yes. But I think all kids need that. Not just ones with autism. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tiff, you have been playing some games with them. So how are these, this lighter fare, how's it going over with them? I mean, things are going well. Like, the first couple weeks were, we started a little bit later than normal, and cross-country season was overlapping. But now I have a little over 10 that are coming every week. And the thing that they've been super into, I introduced them to Resistance on Halloween. And they they are super into it. But playing the Resistance with 11 through 13-year-olds is a lot like playing Resistance with drunken adults. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of screaming. There's not a lot of substance, so we've been working on that. Yeah. <laughs> Do they t- quickly turn on each other? Uh, you know, they're really easy to manipulate. Turns out, yeah. kids are. <laughs> so, yeah, they do turn on each other really fast. And their reasoning isn't always sound. It's just like because he... There's never made... reasoning in right. well, he's though. He's the there bad guy be. because he looked at me wrong. Well, you know, I've been trying to teach them how to, like, pay attention to how people are, you know, accepting and rejecting the missions. And, you know, so we we have talked about it and they're getting better at it. Like, we had a, like, teachable moment where there's this... (laughs) 
kid. And I love him to pieces, but he was so worked up. He's like, I know this other one is lying. I can tell. And every turn, and no one was trusting him because he was just so over the top about it, just like losing his mind because he knew for sure. And it reminded me of a certain incident in Char Bar at three in the morning playing Resistance <laughs> with <laughs> with some of my friends where it was like uh it was chris kirkman and no one would believe him but he was totally right and uh so yeah there was there was afterwards i'm like why did you think he was lying it turned out he had been lying and he gave reasons and i'm like why didn't you say those reasons to the group if you had calmly just said a like even one of those things yeah. someone might have believed you so it's been a good learning thing for them because we've played it a few times and they are getting better at it. But the first game was, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I've been a spy almost every time. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Are you playing with them? <laughs> I didn't play the last one because the whole group wanted to play together on the last one. So we, they played like the giant, I don't know, what is the max? 10? 10, 10 I, think. I think, yeah. So there were 10 of them, so I just moderated. But I, the first game I played with them, and I was really impressed with the kids who were spies with me. They were able to lie pretty well, which is a little scary. Um, <laughs> but luckily they were, one of them was one of my eighth graders. I think the older they are, the little bit, the better Savvier. they are. They've had more experience with Oh yeah, lots of life dishonest. experience. <laughs> they figured out which so. kids in your class you can trust when they say something and which ones lie really, really well. Right, right. And I mean, we like Resistance is a weird game to have at school. I wish I had Resistance Avalon just so there weren't like guns in it. Yeah. But the big thing is like before we play, I'm like, listen, lying in this game is not the same as lying in real life. You shouldn't like we have to like go over this because I'm like a teacher and I know, I'm like essentially giving them tips on how to lie effectively and yep. it, it's kind of like a weird moral quandary, uh, quandary that i have it's a fun game and they all like it and i don't think that it encourages them to go home and lie to their parents but i always make sure to go go over that before i teach it you're a good teacher tiff oh thanks any thoughts on transitioning to like a one night werewolf or a coup or any of that um coup i don't know um one night werewolf we've played and that one i mean not i haven't played with this group so i don't know how it would go but that one seems even more like they get more screamy about it it's, it's really shorter, tricksy though. <laughs> yeah like it can be really like you know you can get in your head about it and figure things out but i don't know that they would go there okay. i'm thinking about trying spyfall yeah next week so uh, they they seem to be pretty into these like social deduction things. And I'm OK with that. I I think it's funny. I think it's fun because some of them are really good at it and, and can really notice are really observant and, and notice when someone has slipped up. And it's kind of cool to watch them do that. So we're going to try Spyfall next week. And some of them have already played that one. So that was that's kind of nice. Some of them had already played The Resistance. I think they're starting to go out to Target and buy games and stuff. Do you think they'll have any problem, like, in Spyfall, figuring out questions to ask and like, yes. knowing how to deal that? Yeah. I have trouble with that. So I'm <laughs> I'm sure that they will. Like, we all do. <laughs> yeah. It, but it'll be good. I, I'm hoping that the kids who have already played it will be able to, um, you know, help out and give some tips and things like that. But... 
Yeah, they seem to be doing okay with it. They, they've they all played, like, Mafia became popular all over again at the middle school. Like, the last day of school last year, a bunch of my kids were like, Mrs. Bartell, we're going to teach you this game. And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, it's called Mafia. And it was just kind of like this funny, like, no, I'm not playing that with you. Oh, Go please on. tell me more. <laughs> so... So I think that's kind of where they're at right now. And I'm hoping that we can, I really want to teach Ticket to Ride. That's yeah. like my goal right now. I would really like to get them into some of those like baseline games that they haven't played. It's almost embarrassing to me that they haven't. Just got to make it happen, Tiff. Yeah. Just make like a they... schedule. <laughs> well, they, it's funny because they've learned to choose games based on who's who's there, you know? Oh, yeah. And and they brought in someone new last week and they're like well let's play wits and wagers you know so like they understand that they can't dump that person right into the resistance so and and raising good little gamers impressive maybe (laughs) we we definitely had a couple of like you put your phone away at board game club conversations this year it's been it's been worse this year with the phones Mm. i might have to start collecting them at the door it's not a bad idea. We have to do that sometimes. Stop yeah, looking at your phone. <laughs> Put your phone in the box. <laughs> one of the orchestra, orchestra teachers in our district has like one of those pocket charts, and yeah. she ha- it's labeled phone jail. You put your phone in the pocket. So we might get a phone jail for Board Game Club. It's a good idea. Just to avoid. Unless They're so you're playing tempted Dead by Last. It. We'll see. if I don't think we can play that one. <laughs> Because it's know. about killing your fellow people. <laughs> right. Like, I think that one, like, Resistance is on the line. Dead Last definitely crosses it. Yeah. Oh, what are you teaching the kids in Board Game Club? Uh, it's a game about assassinating your friends and lying to them. Right. Like, we, <laughs> I spend a lot of time talking about, like, these are just pieces of cardboard. <laughs> we're not killing anyone. We're not going to say that we're killing anyone. Yeah. So, you know. All right. Well... That is a little bit about what we've been playing. It's it's late for all of us, although I'm hoping that we can turn it up a little bit and have the end of the year be full of good gameplays. So we will see. Dan will certainly have some things to talk about next time because he is playing games from now until tomorrow, which is crazy. Yeah. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump in with some top of the stack and then a little bit of discussion. Join us for that. Oh, hey, everyone. Let me take a minute to talk about the best sponsor this show has ever had, Tasty Minstrel Games. Be sure to look out for Guilds of London and the Orleans Invasion expansion on the shelves of your FLGS, and thank you to TMG for their support of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Check them out at playtmg.com. All right, everyone. Let's jump into our top-of-the-stack check-in. We got started late in October with our top of the stack. So I think the best thing to do would be to carry it forward. Because let me say, Tiff, did you play any of your top of the stack games? The listeners can't hear me blinking, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's appropriate. And I know that uh, Dan and I have not played many of ours either, considering you guys gave me five games to to tackle <laughs> on October 21st to finish out in October. You had a so, week. What were you doing? I, I was not playing Hospelnecht. Because I don't own it. So, uh, anyway, problematic. Let's carry forward our top of the stack into November. We'll get a little bit about Ben's top of the stack. And uh, we'll see We'll see what's going on. Because our lovely listeners are on point. And in the guild, number 2077, uh, they are completing their tops of, top of the stack pretty frequently. So, good for them. We are a bunch of bums. 
and we need extra time. So, Tiff. They're just more motivated, I think. <laughs> they're just they're just better gamers. Yeah, I just feel unmotivated when I get home nowadays. Sorry, guys. I feel like I'm letting everyone down, but I have La Isla, Mitera, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. I haven't played any of them, but I still want to play them. So you want to keep those? I'll give you audit privileges if you want to change mm. these, too. No, no, they're fine. They, I think these are great games. I would really like to play all of them. You have to keep Aliens in Outer Space, Escape from Aliens in Outer Space. Yeah. it's a good one. It was so fun. I... I've heard good things, and I learned the rules, and I was ready to teach it. And then uh, the one game night that we were having sort of got canceled because of other things. So, you know, life. We played Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space during our Halloween game day, and yeah, it was goofy. We played with six people. Uh, it was so good that like Anna, Cress's wife, who very mild-mannered, usually pretty low-key, doesn't love a whole lot of things. Uh, she, but she's very willing to play. She had a ball with it, and I got a text the next day. They had went out and bought it because she requested it. Awesome! And they played it with her family the next day. It was pretty funny. So that game, hmm. that game. See, a lot that of might fun. be one I could bring to board game club. Oh, for sure. As long as they can understand like the hidden movement thing, which is not hard. Uh, it's and it plays a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. That would be funny to watch. Watch <laughs> a bunch of little kids do that. That'd be funny. Yeah, at the end of our I'll game, Matt turned to us, turned to me, and was like, "I know I hyped it up. Was it good?" It's like, "Yes, absolutely, good, good, good." So Dan and I have a very similar top of the stack because I was absent that day. Uh, on our top of the stack is Hospelnect, which is the Capstone Games uh, coal mining trilogy game. Nippon, which is from What's Your Game, another one of their cool thematicy Euroy kind of things. Uh, Feast for Odin, which is Uwe Rosenberg's new bear, which we did get to play. And then I also had La Isla and Assassin Khan tacked on. So three of these games I don't own. One of these games plays minimum four players. And the other one I have that's in shrink. See, I was nice. I appreciate that. You actually gave me a game that I could play. was (laughs) thoughtful. So Dan gave you all games that you currently could not play. We've we've had this problem before. Dan picks games that he has because he wants to get them played, but he lives so far away, and I don't own them. So I am at uh, Dan's whim to play Hospelnect and Nippon, which I bet he will probably play at the marathon, leaving me high and dry for another top of the stack. Because he won't play it again. But Assassin Khan is here. If we can get four people, maybe my mom would play, or we can teach Tristan. He's only two. It'll be great. Uh, so... <laughs> We have that one, and uh, I haven't read the rule book, but I can check it out. And La Isla, Tiff put on there, maybe I would play it with her, but I refuse because I don't like being handed games for my top of the stack. What were we supposed to do? You know the rules. You've been on the podcast. It's all, It's all in the game, as they I say. I made the rules, partially. It's my own fault. <laughs> so I haven't missed a top of the stack episode. See? Smart. You are our pillar of consistency, Tiff. I really am. We appreciate that. But Ben, our new guy, what is on your top of the stack? I want to play your top of the stack. What do you got? Right? Because I like fun. Why don't you make his top of the stack your top of the stack? You can have auditing, editing privileges. And we're no? about to play all of these. See? Then you just cross <laughs> off your whole top of the stack. That's what Dan's doing today. To like, he was like, oh, I picked games that we're going to play today. I said, that's fine for you. But like we... We hold ourselves to a higher standard, Tiff. Oh, I don't. Oh, 
Well, I hold my myself to Dan's standards, so. Whoa. Yeah, it's way up there. All right. I'm reaching. All right, ben, Ben's top of the stack. So since we're about to play it, I put Arkham Horror, the card game, and then I've got Pandemic Cthulhu because I want to play that again. Uh, Karmica, they just got that last month from the Kickstarter. And then Parade, which I haven't, I owned a year ago and then learned the hard way that my, at work, when they say they're going to clean out the fridges, they throw everything out. And I had Batman, Love Letter, and Parade in my lunchbox, and they threw out my lunchbox. So, wow. So now I have. That? That's hardcore. I was sad for a while. I was, that's why I didn't buy it for so long. And then it popped up on Twitter, the, what's the Amazon board game deals guy. He was like, it's only $12. Love that guy. And so I bought it right away. Parade is well worth $12. Okay. But I probably wouldn't make a sandwich out of it and put it in your lunchbox. I had it there because we played games during lunch. <laughs> How can you stand to put your games next to your food? I couldn't do it. I had a front. Like, what if something leaks? There was a front pouch. I got this figured out. Don't worry. There was a little front pouch, so it was completely separate from my other food. You're like, oh, what do you have in your hand? Oh, you've got the mayonnaise-stained <laughs> card, so I know Ben's got a five. <laughs> got to be careful, Ben. Batman Love Letter was sleeved. That's uh, Then you just get the, the liquid trapped in there. My oh. my naked juice is trapped in my, my card sleeve. Now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, that didn't come out right. Why? You you don't drink the delicious fruit filled naked juice? I'm you sorry, that's not the first thing. Juice. You could have just said juice. That's all I'm saying. Well, I like to again I hold myself to a higher standard. I like to <laughs> brag about the juice I drink. This episode's sponsored by naked juice. Yeah. It helped hmm. I'm not gonna go there. Anyway, that is our top of the stack. Oh, before we continue on, is it Karmaka or Karmaka? Ooh, I always say Karmaka. I don't, I don't know. like that. Matt Wolf, weigh in. We need to know. Matt Wolf, please let us know. I feel like it would be Karmaka, but I understand that it's karma, a play on the word karma. I so think I that's know. why I say Karmaka, because I want to say karma. Karmaka. Okay. Karma Moving forward. Let's jump into our next topic. Our next segment is a little bit of roundtable discussion. We grabbed a couple of different topics from each one of us. Well, one different topic from each each one of us. We're just going to throw it out there and have a little conversation here to round out the show. Uh, Ben's is going to be interesting. So let's start with a much safer topic. Tiff, why in the world do you want to talk about Cards Against Humanity? Uh, so I was just looking around at blogs and stuff this morning to try to pick out a topic to talk about. And I was originally thinking about talking about board game hiatus and, and board game burnout. Because that's a real, the struggle is real for me yeah. when it comes to that. But I found this article and it, it's uh, The Critical Board Gamer. And it's from May 2015, so it's been a while. But he was talking about Shut Up and Sit Down's review of Cards Against Humanity. And he just sort of had a rebuttal of it. Um, if you don't know, Shut Up and Sit Down really uh, had a scathing review of the game and talked about how it's not just a terrible game, but it it encourages you to be an actual terrible person and that it, it just it's it's not a good thing and it shouldn't be out there sort of and if you play it you're not a good person <laughs> i guess <laughs> that's not a quote or anything but they they just suggest that it's just one of those things that you it's giving you the tools you need to be a terrible person right 
which is kind of their tagline, right? It's totally their tagline. It's what it's literally what they're going for, I think. Yeah. So I was just curious if you all thought uh, if you agreed with Shut Up and Sit Down, that it's like a terrible game and it can make terrible people more terrible or give people the tools to think terrible thoughts or if it's as the the person who writes this blog suggests that it's just like a, a break from the uh, the oppression of political correctness that we all have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and that it can be just a fun thing and it's a, a, a he used the term safe space which I thought was pretty ironic but it's a space where you can play with these sort of politically incorrect ideas that you normally wouldn't feel comfortable even thinking or talking about. It gives you a place to put those. Yeah. I think it comes down to the magic circle, right? And your and your group. Do You, you got to understand what kind of game state you're entering and you got to leave it on the table because that right. guy who writes the rebuttal probably has a good game group and probably <laughs> hasn't, like I have, played Cards Against Humanity with a bunch of randos where it does feel like I don't know these people and they're putting weird things out and you don't you don't know are you just playing a game or do you think this is funny because you're like finally I get to say this about women or minorities or weird sexual things or you know it has the potential to come across as enabling people to be offensive but like if I played it with you and Ben I understand you guys I know who you are I wouldn't feel attacked or like things are inappropriate because I understand that, like, we're going to leave this on the table and we're not going to talk about, you know, right. what we say. You know, we're not going to carry this forward as like, oh, you hate midgets, too, because you put <laughs> that in your Cards Against Humanity game. Like, just random stuff like that. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think we all know. Well, hopefully we all know that it's a game. And for me, we're trying to find the worst thing possible to combine. Like, we all know, oh, my God, this is horrible. That's why this is good for this game and for me it's just that but you don't think that it can have an effect on you as a person to play a game that encourages you to do things that are or to say things that are the most horrible things that you as a generally good person wouldn't say for me i would say that it's dangerous that way no i for me it's if you're a bad person and thinking these things you're already you're already that person that's kind of my thought right if you feel excited I think part of part about Cards Against Humanity is like it makes you feel uncomfortable. It's like which one of these do I put out? And there's the whole game aspect where you actually try to play to the the judge. So you think like I don't if I want to actually play this game and win, I'm actually not going to try to piss that person off cuz I want them to pick my thing. But if you're like I'm just going to put this raunchy thing out and then I'm going to make a bunch of comments, you were that person. And this gave this did give you a space to express that. But if you're like, this is terrible, and I'm uncomfortable, but we're playing this game, so I hope everyone still loves me. Like, if you have that feeling, I don't think the game would change you. Yeah, it's just like knowing we all have, like, random thoughts that we're like, oh, I shouldn't say this out loud. This I know this is horrible. Like, I'm going to just keep it in my head. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean... I- I can see the the argument that it's maybe not a thing that we like. So many kids play this game, you know. Yeah, that that's a little weird for me. Right, for kids like to play a, this. a lot of kids play this game. I I know that from experience. When we have our 
shrinks camp, all of our high school or counselors, I'm the one who's in charge of monitoring their overnight activities. Yay for me. And it's always hours and hours. <laughs> it's the best job. It's the worst job. You are the police for a bunch of middle schoolers at night. And now luckily they're orchestra kids. So, I mean, most of them are pretty intellectual and, and not terrible just in general. And, and when I, I've, I, it's hard to listen to them play it. I will say that. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's hard to hear children say things like that. Cause you don't know, like, I mean, I guess a 16 year old probably considers themselves smart enough. Like I know when I was 16, I thought I was smart enough to understand the differences there. Right. Yeah. That I was intellectual enough to, to have the same thoughts that I think now, like just cause I'm putting these two cards out here, doesn't mean that I actually believe this or it's not going to change my worldview in any way. I know that people think terrible things and I don't know. This yeah. is not this is not news to me, and this game has no impact on my morality. But uh, I think for I don't kids know. it would be the same as like, at what age do you let them watch an R-rated movie? Or right. So it's like, when do you allow them to experience this adult content or interact with it? Or I mean, a lot of their parents allow it and and bu and buy them copies of it. So. See, I have they read it? Have they looked yeah. through it? Uh, I think they do know what it is i so, didn't play the game until i was in my 20s and i maybe that's you know part of my experience is i i've played with adults but yeah maybe kids that makes me rethink my original argument kids are just so but i do, do you think do you think that if by seeing a card about you know oh gosh surprise sex that that's gonna make some kid think rape is okay i wouldn't think so but it does make the conversation like, it does enable the comments. Like, if you're playing with a mixed bag of men and women, and or boys and girls, and now all of a sudden you're making rape jokes, or you're making... You can start opening the doors to harassment. And sure. kids typically... I mean, that's a subject that most adults don't understand. So, it does seem... Maybe that does enable during the game state to... I don't know. I mean, I, I guess in reading this, I'm like, yeah, I totally get this for adults because, you know, sometimes I do feel like I need a break from monitoring, filtering everything I say. You know, sometimes yeah. you just want to be around your friends and say outrageous things, even if you don't believe in them. It just kind of has this weird liberating feeling towards it. So I understand why people like it. And uh, that's the enjoyment that I get out of it. I don't think kids should play it. I don't no. think parents should buy it for their kids or allow them to play it and generally when we have it come out at board game or at our strings camp i make them put it away because i just can't handle it but i don't know do you think there should what what is the age do you think it's 18 do you think it's 20 i think it's one of those things where age doesn't age signifies a certain amount of de development but it doesn't imply emotional development which is what you need sure. so it's tough to just like a drinking age is arbitrary because there are responsible teenagers who could drink and not mess anything up. But, you know, I think I would wait until you're, you know, R-rated movie kind of thing. You know, wait till you're 17, 18, until you've talked to people and been around some people who maybe have experienced different things or you've experienced different things and you understand that the world is a delicate place and you can't just run around being a jerk. Uh, yeah, I would. I think I would leave it to the parents who probably have a good understanding of their children and their mental capacity and yeah how adult they really are 
and kind of leave it on them. It's the same as like you had that friend whose parents let him have parties or let her have parties as long as it was in the house, you know, kind of thing. Sure. Because like, I'm keeping an eye on you. Fair enough. Or even just knowing like you're a responsible child. You know the difference between right and wrong and if surprise sex is right or wrong. Well, and the other concern is like they're reading these cards and not knowing what half of it is and then going to the internet and discovering oh, it. Yeah, that you know what I mean? Be a little... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. As I learned playing Cards Against Humanity for the first time with Kel's dad, <gasps> oh, uh, oh, no. he had the same experience with Google, and you know, it's just just a mess. But hey, is there and before we beat this to death, is there any kind of restriction on buying that game at like Target or something? Can you just walk in and is there an age thing? Like I can't buy a can of spray paint without getting my ID logged in. But can uh, I buy Cards I Against know. Humanity, which talks about... Let me look. Wait, what about spray cans? I, you you can't... can't buy spray paint without having it, without showing your ID at Target because people huff it or they vandalize. Oh. But can I go in and buy Cards Against Humanity and learn what surprise sex is or whatever like that? You know, I don't think so, but I also didn't realize There's that There's a recommended cans... age... I'm looking at Target.com just to see if there's anything that says anything. Like, I'm trying to think of it I, as, like, the CDs that have parental advisory and you can't buy it. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't I seem to have that. Yeah, it doesn't have any kind of parental advisory. It just says seven. I mean, the age printed on it is 17 plus, which I think that's fair, honestly. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that would allow a store to implement that if they wanted to, but I don't know if any store does. <laughs> right. Anyway, I, I yeah. just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it's a good topic. Thank you, Tiffany B. Hey, I, I do what I can. All right, so do we want to dive into another, you know, hard-hitting topic, or do we want to talk about Fantasy Flight games? Maybe we should end with Fantasy Flight and, like, de-escalate. Yeah, a little <laughs> decompression. We've ramped uh, it up. Yeah, all right, let's, let's stay here at the climax of the show. Ben, your topic, please. My topic, we're going to take it to politics. So we all know the elections happened. And my question is for board game media, people out there on Twitter and Instagram that do, they do board game media type things and provide board game content. When there's something like this kind of election that happens, should they share their opinions on the matter or should they really just stick to what they've dedicated their Instagram or Twitter to, which is providing board game content? This guy's on one episode, Tiff, and he brings politics in the mix. We never talk politics. <laughs> I did Well, it. I think it's a good question because I was thinking about it um, after the election because I went on Twitter and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even read this. Um, and I had, to, I mean, I generally take pretty long breaks from Twitter anyway, but I do check it daily most of the time. And I, I haven't really checked it this week to avoid hearing everybody's opinions uh, I, I could just say, from my perspective, a lot of this election has been really disappointed, disappointing on both sides. And it's an unfortunate that everybody, uh, it seems like everybody just wants to lambast one side or the other yeah. rather than have a discourse. So yeah. um, as far as board game media, I mean, it kind of depends on the person and the company. You know, if you're... <laughs> If, if it's your personal Twitter account, I think you can say whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And if you're a private company that thinks it's okay to put polit you know, politics out there on the company account, I guess that's your choice. You just, you're making a decision that might alienate some customers. 
Yeah. Or some listeners or some readers. Yeah, but it's a choice I'm that sure you're allowed to make. I'm sure there's people that go out there who just wanted to go on Twitter to look at, find some board game content, decompress, just sure. find their hobby and then having to come across certain things that they were trying to avoid. Yeah. It was interesting during the um, during the election. I stayed up all night to watch the results because I was interested. I mean, I think that this is a, a bit of a landmark in our lives as, you know, I'm like a young millennial. So I think that this is really interesting. I was not interested so much in like the world's going to end. I was more interested in like this is a really interesting moment in politics, how these things work what this says about our system. There's a lot of deeper thoughts that you could get into. And my Twitter and Kel's Twitter were very different. I got on Twitter and I actually, it pained me to stay on there, but I I wanted to see what people had to say. And I wanted, you know, sometimes you post on Twitter to shout into the void. And I wanted to see what people were willing, what they were feeling, what they wanted to say. My Twitter was mostly the world's about to end. Yeah, that's what mine was too. Fire sale. It's it's done, guys. We we got to get out of here. My rights are gone. My liberties are gone. And I feel afraid. I'm sad. I'm upset. So, again, all those feelings justified. I'm not on one side or the other here. But Kel's Twitter, she follows a very different group of individuals. She does not follow a lot of board game media. Was actually hopeful. Was a lot of, this is bad. What can we do? Or let's band together. Or let's you know, let's take care of each other. And simultaneously, these two separate little microcosms were experiencing very the same event in very different ways. So it was cool yeah, for I... companies and people and the the hobby that I'm involved in to kind of see these our hobbies unfold like that. So I, I liked it from that aspect. But at the same time, I I unfollowed two people during that night and not because their points weren't valid they have every right to that but at some point i felt uncomfortable and i was like i can't i don't think i can handle this individual at this moment in time and maybe i could have just muted them i don't know the settings but i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna back out of here i'm gonna retreat to a safe space which is i'm gonna remove these from my feed because it's my feed i have that right well, and that's the good thing about it, right? Like, we yeah. all have a choice whether or not we want to, you know, those people out there who are expressing opinions, whether you like listening to dissenting opinions or not, like, you have a choice on Twitter of who you follow and, and what you want to see. And for me, it was like, oh, gosh, a lot of board game people are feeling afraid right now. And, and yeah. that stressed me out a little bit. And I, it's... It, so I, I just kind of stayed away from it for a while, and it seems like everybody's calming down a little bit and becoming more yeah. rational, so that's good. Uh, but, you know, I yeah, it, it would have been nice to go on there and experience the more hopeful side of things, but I think people can say what they want. Of course, and I you mean, know? it's a public forum, so that you as the poster and you as the reader, you have different choices and rights to make, you know, to interact with, so you have to be mindful of who you're talking to, you have to be mindful of what you're reading and understand that the internet is a strange place. And <laughs> ah. I, I guess my biggest concern was something like this, no matter how it turned out, was going to be contentious and heated. And sure. I don't know that the internet is a safe space to, to go to. I don't know that, I understand that it's a connected place and you can look for people who feel the same way, but it has the potential, much like the internet always has the potential, but it, particularly in this case, 
to run amok and just kind of get out of hand. And if you're someone who was scared or feeling upset, Twitter was not the place to be right. to make you feel better or hopeful or to decompress. I think that it, much like, you know, hype for Scythe or some other board game happens, like the hype, the fervor, the the emotion runs rampant and it's very dangerous. And I don't know that it, it's helpful to feed right. into that. So, yeah. And I think your point about how your Matt, your and Kelly's Twitters were different. It's shows that, I mean, I left, I stopped going to Facebook cause it was just too much. I went to, tw- I actually went to Twitter to get away from Facebook. And because <laughs> I think <laughs> I got that exact same limit. thought. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> cause I mean, when you're just being hateful on both sides, it's just, there's no discourse or anything, but Twitter, you, you can curate your Twitter and I guess, see what you need to see or what you want to see and stay away from some of that negativity that might drive that emotional hype that you just need to kind of step away from yeah i think the only thing that i mean i had the same thought like oh man now i'm gonna have to leave twitter like i thought that and and now it seems okay but i i was looking at some of the tweets of some of my friends people that like i really respect and love playing board games with and and now i'm just gonna look at them ever so slightly differently in some cases and and i mean it was an illuminating experience to say the least so I don't know if it, if it's bad or good, but I learned a lot. Yeah, it's really interesting because you know these people in one capacity and what you do when you decide to talk politics or you decide to post pictures of your kids or you decide to do anything like that is you're opening the gates further into your life for people who, although it feels chummy summer campy at the conventions, like are these people that you actually would spend time with? Or is this information that you would really share with all of these people out outside of this board game relationship are these your friends would you love these people would you care about these people and you know it's one thing to be board game acquaintances and be friends and it's another thing to open those gates and and realize that oh okay <laughs> this person <laughs> is you know, well and not it's not a bad thing like this just this person is different as a complete person than they are as a board gamer because we are more than just board games it's easy to forget that right like when you're on your board game twitter because you know it's just like my kickstarter it's a hundred percent board games and most of who i follow on twitter are a hundred percent board gamers i haven't really branched out too far from that and uh it, it it seems like that microcosm is all like one way or it seemed to me the people that i uh, follow were were yeah. all thinking one particular way and it surprised me and and it was a little jarring but I think that's the same reason why like with friends and coworkers, there's top I just don't av- I avoid politics and t- discussing yeah. in detail those types of things I'm like we need to work together or I like playing board games with you I don't really care I'm not worried about what your thoughts are on these different things well and where we're at now I'm a little more, I mean, I'm open to discussing and talking with people and having a conversation. The issue was in that moment of the election, very, very volatile, very emotional, very, I'm saying what I feel right now. And of course, that's, that's good. I mean, I'm completely I'm trained in therapeutic techniques. That's healthy to some extent. I don't know that Twitter is the, the healthy outlet, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's nice to do that. And I'm willing to have a conversation, but in a moment like that, what I found was a lot of people weren't ready for a conversation. Right. And not that I, it's not even that I disagreed with people, but I couldn't even 
agree with them safely because things were just so heated. Things It's just very, very emotional. So now as we get further removed, I think it now is where we can start talking, repairing, learning about each other in a safer place. That moment of 3 a.m. on Twitter is not the time <laughs> to to learn more about your board game friends, you know, and, and see what they really think and, and feel and things like that. Now is the time that we've decompressed, that we're a little calmer, a little clearer. Now's the time to, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I don't know that there's so much like, I think it was just, to me, it looks like it was that big emotional release of venting and things on Twitter. And now people aren't really having those political discussions afterwards, back to business as usual. Because I was looking today, and it's all board game reviews, and I'm playing this, and I'm playing that. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're, we're back. So everybody we're needed back. to vent, and which is completely valid. You need, you need sure. to express you made it through yeah yeah we made it through <laughs> that that instance you know that that first moment, that moment. of ter- of terror <laughs> and now we just need to make th- make it through each step along the way like a uh, 1000 plus days to go we'll but anyway fine. that went Let's... a little more political than i wanted it to but or expected it to but that's fine. you didn't think your politics discussion would go so political eh. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about fantasy flight Oh, Dan is really missing out on this one. We have talked I, Arkham Horror, thematic games, politics. Yes, there are pl- plenty of people that are th- fantasizing about flighting away. So let's talk fantasy flight. <laughs> but hey, Tiff, are you having fun at least? Oh, I am. That's all that matters. Guys and gals, are legacy games the beginning of the end is what I want to know. Because yesterday, <laughs> Fantasy Flight Games announced. Oh my gosh, Tiff. Fantasy Flight Games announced a legacy-style Android Netrunner card game version with packs of Netrunner cards that you only open at certain times and stickers that denote progression and different abilities, and it is coming out as like a little two-player campaign, and I could not be more joyous about something like that. It sounds amazing. And then I stumbled across the top of the Board Game Geek threads, and it's titled, It's a Sad Day for Ameritrash Gaming. There, This one poster believes that Fantasy Flight's shift towards a legacy-style game is kind of the beginning of the end for their quality products, their quality Ameritrash products. And I was just interested to see what you guys think. One, about legacy games and their rise, and two, about, like, does doing a legacy game mean that you're going in the wrong direction? I think we can we can learn a little bit from politics and board games. We can make a connection here. We don't know yet, yeah. so let's not panic. That's that's my opinion on that. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure everything will be fine. The sky is not falling. You'll still have beautiful Ameritrash games. Fantasy Flight isn't going to veer away from what's made them so much money over these past few years. They're not going to go, oh, all crappy games now. Sorry about it. That's yeah. not going to happen. So just... You know, take a deep breath. We're all right. I think they took an opportunity to grab on or jump onto the hype of legacy games and tack it onto a game they already had. And in a way, I I just thought it compared it to the rise of zombie games. We still have games. We still have good games. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a bad thing, though. I think that this is unique and innovative. They're just like they've done with the Armada campaign kind of thing where you can play Star Wars Armada and progress through a little campaign. This is taking a game that a lot of people already love that's becoming less accessible the more packs that come out 
and zeroing in on a one-time experience. This is like, you know, Ben or Kel, you guys have casually played Netrunner, but you're not going to play competitive Netrunner or deck build or anything. So this is a chance to like, hey, do you just want to spend a day and, you know, try out this little board game style experience with a good system? I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I just wonder if this person's coming from a place of like, I don't like legacy games and legacy games seem to be the trending thing. Yeah. But I mean, we, we have these trends. Micro games were like on fire for a while and they went away. And maybe legacy games won't go away quite so quickly because I think there's a little bit more meat to it. And and board games ha- are progressing and and innovation is happening through legacy games. So um, I don't know. Don't be afraid. There are still games that you don't have to rip up cards. You know, they'll still be making those because not everybody is a fan. Think about having to rip up Netrunner cards. After rip <laughs> oh, up now, no. can you now still your do it? opinion changes. <sighs> I'm sad. <laughs> All right. So I don't know. I think it'll be. I I think everything is going to be just fine. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with some legacy games. Are they going to? Are other games going to pop on and try out legacy style for their game? Definitely. Is, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Will people pay money for it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will. That's yeah. kind of, that's the, our whole conversation today is, A, will people pay money for it? That's the lesson we learned. And B, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> as long as you have money to pay for it. For me, I, <laughs> I feel like legacy games, it seems like it adds more theme to it because you're living through it more and you can experience it better. So... For me, I mean, hashtag thematic. I love it. See, this is why we bring this guy on, Tiff. Hashtag thematic. Never has our podcast ever ended with such a sentence. (laughs) So we need to stop. We stop right now. That's the end of the episode. Hashtag thematic. That's almost as good as stick it on your shelf. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us for episode 56 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. It has been a fun one. Hopefully everyone liked the uh, little discussion. I like this idea of everyone bringing a topic and just chatting a bit. What do you think, Tiff? Did it did it go okay? I enjoyed it. I feared it, yeah. and then I enjoyed it. Tiff was worried, but and everything was know. okay. Turns out <laughs> everything will be okay. It's okay. <laughs> you haven't released the episode yet. You don't know. This is true. Let us know what you think about this lovely episode about our guest host Ben and anything else that we do on Facebook at facebook.com/slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to BGG Guild number 2077. Get yourself a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge. Let us know what's on your top of the stack. Let us know what you think about Cards Against Humanity, Legacy Games, or politics. Don't let us know what you think about politics. That's dangerous. Head over to Instagram, Nonsensical Gamers. Dan runs that account. You can check out what we've been playing. They are usually the lovely photos taken by Biff. You can also, if you like the content... Give us some iTunes reviews. They help the show get noticed, help us move up the chart, get some more listeners, and then we get more feedback to prune the show to what you want it to be so that you improve your listening experience. So thank you for those. If you want to find us, you can do so on Twitter. That is the best place. Miss Tiffany B., if they want to chat with you about anything but politics, where do they do that? I am at IneptGamer. Excellent. And Ben, if they want to find you on Twitter and talk... Hashtag thematic. How do they do that? I am at Visai. Can you spell that? V-Y-S-C-Y. You're going to make him name. spell his Twitter handle, you? 
are going to make him spell that? Mr. Did you know it's how to, phonetically, you know how to spell it that, not phonetically. Did you know how to spell Visai? I could have figured it out. It's either V-I no. or V-Y. Right? And then there aren't that many options. <laughs> cinnamon buns spelled phonetically is a little bit trickier, I think. If you type cinnamon buns into Google and go to the dictionary, it's right there. This is like a four-step process to find your Twitter handle. Sin. Hey, I hold myself to high standards. If to you each find their me. own, you know. <laughs> so you can find me at Cinnamon Bun spelled phonetically. You can also find the league at League Nonsense. That account is run by Dan. And if you want to get a little more personal with Dan or maybe see what he's playing at the 24-hour board game marathon, you can do that at Scandalous underscore Nad. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week, hopefully, with a little bit of news. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Hey, time out real quick. I hate to put it this way, but we're a little low energy and we need the range. We need the range. We need the range. Okay. I, th- I feel like everybody's talking in the same... Monotone. Uh, need the range. Okay. That's why <laughs> yeah. you're here, Tiff. You're the boss. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. oh, That's what I am. So am I talking too much like Dan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta fluctuate people it's not it's it's like not easy to do especially for dudes yeah. it's a fact tiff is my voice coach <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah i've done such a nice job <laughs> yeah i didn't well i didn't say you're a good like uh voice coach i just said you're my voice coach so all right <laughs> all right where start was up, i okay start up so here. Six start up i'll here. try start up up here up and here then, here here i'll just control it up up here okay ben okay ben all right ben i don't think that's what she means by range but i'm not sure about the game that you played i really like like pandemic cthulhu it was it was really great okay it started out really easy but then it got super hard (laughs) okay and and we're back